internet, don't worry, I have to go first. I'm American. My name is Matthew Kroll. And this podcast isn't about being pro-war. This is about being pro-money. My name is Stephen Buja. Hello, yeah, hello. Hello, Stephen. This is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film War Dogs. Woo! Uh, I can't help but notice you are not a tall New Zealander sitting across from me, Stephen. I can try my best. Don't do it. Don't. I shouldn't do Don't, it? No, okay. you would not like that. Shahir Dowd is absent this week, probably being a good father or some garbage. I don't fucking know. I get, Look, it's not my turn to watch him, but I've enlisted <laughs> my good friend and longtime uh, movie review cohort, hey. Stephen Buja from Oscar Watch Podcast. Uh, I, I, I understand. What do you do on Oscar Watch? Because I we are you're on the only podcast about movies right now. Right. Well, you're you're about the only podcast about like movies that are in the theater or have been in the theater. We're about the only movies that have won Best Picture of all eighty eight Academy Award but winners. You it's, can't, but you can't be talking about movies. Yeah, well, it's complicated. Think of it as like a think of it like you went through the portal in Stranger Things, and you're on a slightly different plane of existence. Wow. that shares a lot of the similar same wow. similarities. I got to be honest with you, Steve. That's the closest anyone has ever been able to describe their quote other movie podcast <laughs> to me, and I understand it. No, but we're very lucky to have you. Thank you for uh, filling Shahir's giant shoes. Although you guys are probably about the same height. Uh, probably. I have smaller feet than people my size, so <laughs> it could, they could be smaller. I don't know. Okay. Well, we're learning. <laughs> Yay! Uh, what, are we, what are we talking about? Well, first, today? okay, if I don't do housekeeping, okay. Shahir beats me with the, uh, the, the bristle end of a broom, so uh, at least he won't do it now. Basically, guys, if you like this show, you, how would you know you haven't heard it yet? I mean, if you've listened to it before, please go to iTunes, give us that five stars, or however many stars your little heart thinks we should get. Five is um, really great, though. Yeah, I mean, it be good uh that that helps the podcast immensely also you can find us on facebook at only movie podcast and also oh you can email us if you want us to do a film that you'd like us to review only movie podcast at gmail.com uh actually we just did a fan request uh enemy, enemy. yeah yes. so that was really fun so guys keep sending your requests in and also Last bit of housekeeping, one week away. That is right. Next week, you will experience, hopefully in person, but if not, the PAX panel of our creation, Getting Good at Video Game Movies. That's G-U-D for mm -hmm. good. Basically, we're going to PAX in Seattle, 6 p.m., Sphinx Theater. Going to fill that place up with me, Shahir Red, James Portnow from Extra Credits. Fucking fantastic panel. And we are going to fix the way Hollywood treats video game properties and creating films based on those. 60 minutes, four dudes, no hold barred. Fixing it. Fixing it. It's not as sexy as Steve described it, but it's going to be pretty <laughs> fun. We're going to have giveaways. It's going to be great. So uh, if you're in Seattle at PAX, please come check us out. If not, all of you will get to hear it anyway. So Woo, if I'm you can't afford the plane ticket, I understand. Uh, right. You know, flights are expensive. I, I have been told this. You know what else is expensive, Steve? War? Yes! 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 Ah. I knew it. See, Shahir would have been like, uh... Uh, what healthcare in the United States? I would be like, fuck you. No, yes, war is expensive. War also never changes. Um, War Dogs, Steve. Yes, War Dogs. This is the movie that we are talking about this week. And as an aside, speaking of war, I just want to point out that uh, I did the, I did the math. This is actually the fifth time I've been on this show, and I am declaring myself the unofficial only podcast about movies war correspondent <laughs> first movie i first movie i was on sicario war on drugs amazing second movie star wars episode one it's war, right, on, war on stars war, I understand. war on stars third movie whiskey tango foxtrot was about wow really the, Af the afghan war fourth mo movie warcraft 
Okay. Holy fuck, dude. <laughs> movie War Dogs. That is an amazing fun fact. You are the official only podcast about movies war correspondent. So I'll be very, very cross if you invite me for like some romantic comedy or. It'll, it'll have a like twist. Okay. I promise it'll have a twist. Uh, wow. I feel like we should have helicopters like playing only when you speak. <laughs> anyway. I'm a Michael Bay movie. That would be uh, distracting. Uh, but yeah, Steve, do you want to read the uh, the IMDb synopsis? Sure, I can do that. Uh, okay, War Dogs. Based on the true story of two young men, David Pakows and Ephraim Diveroli, who won a $300 million contract from the Pentagon to arm America's allies in Afghanistan. Now, that's an oversimplification, as these sometimes are. Yes. That, but they, what they also should have said is they're two dude bros who Total dude bros. go on a bit of a hangover adventure. Yeah. Oh, they totally. Which is not surprising because nope. it is directed by Todd Phillips. He of, did he do all three? Hangover? He did all three hangovers. And I'm psyched because I liked his stuff before. I liked uh, Road Trip, Old School, that sort of jam. Uh, and he's, uh, he, he fell into what I feel like is that like pit of success. Like, oh, fuck, you did this one thing that made a shit ton of money. Guess you got to do it two more times because reasons. <laughs> like, hey, you got to get paid somehow. And they got progressively worse. And the I think it's because he got progressively sick of it. Absolutely. The third one was absolutely I horrible. turned it off. I Guys at home, I very rarely stop a film. Like, I'll just power through it. I'll be like, at least I can say I saw it. Right. I could not watch it. Oh, it was, it was, it was awful. And two was fine because it was one. Basically. Yeah. It, it was the Dark Knight of Comedies. <laughs> no. Hangover. Ah, whatever. Sure. Sure. Uh, but I was psyched to see him back and see something sort of like his next evolution. Um, yeah. And I, this seemed like a good fit. It did. Honestly, I get him and Adam McKay confused. Who's Adam McKay? He did the big short. And this felt like it wanted to be the big short I disagree. so badly. It wanted, to be, it wanted to be fun, but also like, we're taking down... We're, we're, we're exposing a part of society you may not always know about. Meh. And it didn't. Uh, well, we, we can get into it. But I felt like he was trying because I believe they are friends. And I think they uh, he was trying to ape the success of the Big Short, which is I mean, I know I know you're not the biggest fan of the Big Short, but at least it's 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 decent. better than Spotlight. Oh, I haven't seen Spotlight yet. Actually. Don't. I just I don't. have to. I have to. It won best picture. No, I have you to don't. Wa- I have to watch Go it. stay. I in have your, to watch. Leave it eventually. your fucking dark Stranger Things portal <laughs> and just, just just skip that one. I will go to a universe where it didn't win. Where Mad Max won. There we go. Oh man, that'd be a great universe. Oh, I love that. Universe. But it probably like would have all of its food made of like sand or some garbage. It's always oh, tricky with yeah. alternate realities. Um, but I I kind of disagree with you. I don't think this film. This film. Okay. Okay. The, the, I think the difference is. And maybe it's their different styles, or maybe they're just trying to trying to yin and yang it. I think this film is a comedy that's trying to be serious at points, and Big Short was a film that was serious that was trying to infuse comedy to keep you interested at certain points. But I th- but I think the balance in both doesn't come off correctly. This one this one felt like it it was too it was too serious to be a comedy and too funny to be a drama. Right, it was it existed in this weird sort of like that was fine, but not. But that, it, it, but it, but whatever it was trying to say about uh, the 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 war and gun running and how America does arm itself is it like makes a great statement at the beginning and then it just is like no nah, now we're just gonna have this dude bro movie like you said right and he, this is the interesting thing for me because I'm now I'm putting all this together that you're that you're saying so for for me personally and I think for a lot of people we've talked about this before in the show that uh, comedies I feel like 
get more of a pass than dramas do when when they falter in certain places. The thing yeah. that a comedy has to do is make you laugh or at least have you enjoy yes, it, right? Make you laugh. Yeah. Uh, which is is just as hard as making someone cry in certain situations, but it's not harder. But I feel like in this situation when you when you kind of have you look at the big short that was like we're super serious and now uh, we're going to infuse comedy. I felt like that felt more out of place to me and more of a letdown than this. Even though they both did sort of lose something along the way, I feel like War Dogs and the comedy w- that lost its serious angle is more forgivable than the serious movie that kind of dabbled in a comedy angle. Yeah, I guess I'm looking at it from what is it trying to say? And yes, I did. I did laugh at War Dogs. I'm not denying that. Oh, everyone's funny. But this is what I'm. This, this is the point. Okay. Sorry, I was Sorry, rambling, no, no. and you you got it. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, what are these movies trying to say? Big Short is edutainment. Big Short is trying to tell you facts about the real world that how basically most people are getting fucked, right? Right. And how people got fucked. Uh, this movie is not edutainment. This is entertainment. That if you pick up a random thing along the way, they don't mind. But like, they definitely. You're absolutely correct. After the beginning of the film, it kind of just drops the sort of moral ambiguity of it. Right. And and then it, it keeps it no more than like say. Um, you know, uh, what's another Wolf of Wall Street or like, you know, the- but, but yeah, in try, it, it, I think it does try to satirize it a bit, but it doesn't have a lot of bite to it because right. it's, because it's a lot of fun and these guys are successful and they ostensibly, they kind of like get away with everything. Who are these guys, Steve? Who are these guys are, uh, they are David Packhouse played by the great Miles Teller who up and comer. I really enjoy his stuff and, uh, except Ephraim, for Fantastic Four, except for Fantastic Four. He's great in the Divergent movies, which are terrible. Uh, and Ephraim <laughs> Diveroli. Yep, you got it. I was glad you read the IMDb because I couldn't pronounce this shit. Uh, yeah, who is played by Jonah Hill. Uh, they are two 20-something guys. Uh, David <laughs> by, Began- played by 30-something actors. Played by 30-something actors. David, Be- David is the, he is the, uh, the hangover guy. He is the hangover guy who, like, isn't he's down on his luck he's not that successful but he's a nice guy and he's then, a masseuse he's a masseuse you can't get mad at a masseuse no jobs to make you feel good yeah and then in comes this whirling dervish of a very very uh large looking jonah hill who is a morally bankrupt character who mm-hmm. whisks him on this this grand high school journey, pals high school pals who whisks him on this journey of small time gun arms dealing to gun running to eventual Pentagon wonder boys that, and, uh, the entire, their entire house of cards falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is based on a true story. Matt, have you read any of the, like there was a a Rolling Stone article and I believe it was a book. Did you read either of those? I read stuff forever ago when this happened. This happened in what? 2008, 2009. The the big part that this movie culminates sort of on. Yes. Um, so the answer to your question is no, but I've read, I remember, you know, hearing about it back then and sort of being intrigued by it, but just thinking it was just another way the country's fucking up. <laughs> um, so yeah, but then I, after I saw this movie, I kind of dived a little bit deeper into trying to figure out like what's true, what's not true, because you know, as we, uh, in the movie, the movie <laughs> criticism, uh, I won't call it a business cause no one's paying us. Uh, but the uh in the hobby of reviewing movies yes um Amateurs. we would say that when it's when a film says based on a true story your first thought is always all right all right, all right. The, your first thought should be there were two guys with these names 
And that's about it. Or maybe the names change. And also in this one, they left out a few characters. There was an Alexander P- Podrisky or something like that, who was an arms dealer who was think, integral I, to the story. I think they may have just rolled that rolled into him in. and then Bradley uh, Cooper's character, uh, Ralph Merrill, which is a financier type of guy, who uh, was Kevin, po- who was who was uh, Kevin Pollock, the Jewish. Laundry. Oh, mat. interesting. I so they like, kind of uh, yeah, they they kind of just played it up. They, I think. They and then of course it. the wife of uh, of David, played by Anna de Armas, uh, yeah. is 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 he Isabel? I'm guessing. Yes. Um, I don't I don't think she even existed. No, she didn't. That was fake. Um, what else? Reports that they didn't actually do. There's a moment in the in the I'd say middle of the film where they do right. an adventurous it was, it was, thing. It was, their, it was their big moment. They're yeah, like, we'll talk about yeah. it. But that didn't happen. Uh yeah, I mean, look, how, well, let's, let's, so, so how true does a true story have to be? Do you even give a shit? I generally do not give a shit. If I am watching a documentary, I will be like, this had better be most ma- majority true, like vast majority true. But for this, they are t- telling us they are wringing their, they're hanging their clothes on this, uh, this skeleton. And I'm losing the metaphor of this true story and they're trying to tell trying to tell their own spin on it. And reading the article there was it was there was a lot more bureaucratic nonsense and talking and governmental meetings than broing out than broing out. So I think they wanted to make it a you know, you, you cuz you you are first and foremost trying to entertain. As you say, this is, a, this is mm-hmm. an entertainment piece and they succeed in that. And I don't and I don't think the long laundry list of you know, government contracting and handshaking and back and forth and red tape and all that. May, it may not make for the most exciting of drama, such as perhaps the Big Short. <laughs> I see. But I see. I see. I I enjoyed. I enjoyed what they're doing. I enjoyed the style in the Big Short. Really. Well, they they, they had to spice it up because it was all boring number. Cr- it, exactly. You know what I love about Big Short? I will give it this. I'm sorry we keep going back and no, forth. No, it's fine. But the, but the. The central plot to the big short and how the, the the housing market and crisis happened was that the facts people needed to see were so long and so boring, no one bothered to look. Right. And the movie <laughs> realizes that that's what its central premise is based off of. Something that's so boring that people that are valuing things at millions and millions of dollars just aren't looking, you know? So they have to take that, something that's that level boring. And enter and and spice it up, and then they have Margot Robbie, Robbie in a bathtub. Yeah. yeah, that's what I. That's one of the things I loved about it. I wish there were something more. To yes, like, we like, all loved Margot Robbie well, in a bathtub. Everybody loves Margot Robbie in a bathtub. Nobody likes Margot. Well, everyone loves Mar- Margot Robbie in Suicide Squad. Had to drop that in there a little bit. But that. But that. I'm lo- sad for Margot. But see, Robbie at the, see, at the beginning when when we when we cut to David get uh, David getting pulled out of the trunk. You know, we're sort of like flash forwarding a little bit further along in the story, and he talks about like. That's this gun. It's worth this much, and he goes through like how you like how you outfit every single soldier. I thought this all right. That's a fantastic way. My attention is grabbed here. I want to know. I want to know more about. The, like, yes, I want to know more about you because you seem like you're in some shit right now. But I want to know more about this world and this little bit with this same sort of style and energy. And it didn't come back. And I, and you know, I guess I was a little disappointed because. Then we just focused on these two characters, and I don't think these two characters were written strong enough to really like make a compelling movie. It was a fun movie, sure. I I, I enjoyed myself. I you know I'm gonna spoil it and be like, yo, you should like yeah, go see this movie if you want. But, <laughs> That's, oh, you heard it here first. Stephen Buja, the only podcast about movie war correspondent, says go see this movie if you want. Put that on the poster, please. No, I'm I'm just kidding. So I mean, what, what what I thought anyway was that it 
it overall I enjoyed my experience, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I also just sort of feel like, you know, it it it's advertising grabbed me and it wasn't advertised a ton, but I thought it no, looked fun. It I really love Lord of War. Oh, good. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, Lord of War is uh is just fantastic. Yeah. Um and I'm not sure if this does it better. It does it different kind of. It makes it more of a of a this has more information in it than Lord. I mean, like, right? But I think Lord. Let me Lord of War is a better movie. Neither of which are neither of these are like instant classics. No, or anything. no. But uh, with with my big uh, my big Nicolas Cage size, like you know, I have a room just for Nicolas Cage. Uh, in, in your heart, heart. yes, in my heart. Uh, and so I have a, a spe- it's a special place for him. Fun today. fact: If you don't, I don't think you have a soul. I don't think you'd be considered a human being. If you don't have a Nicholas, if Cage. you don't have it, even a tiny one, even if it's a tiny one, that's just right. his face uh, with, that looks like when he's transforming in Ghost Rider. Um, <laughs> but yeah. All right. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. I would say, I mean, I, I did. I liked it. I just felt like uh, I just wanted more out of it. Yeah. And, and, and it feels this was sort of my issue and I will get into it more as we go. But like it felt well worn, like it was all stuff I enjoyed, but I've seen before and oftentimes pieces done better okay so like it's got that scarface vibe it's got um it pull it pull it calls from a lot of different uh different films what a, what a, i got scarface goodfellas wolf of wall street big short obviously we hangover the hangover like it, it's it's do it's taken a lot of pieces and and look i will be the first to give props that when you make a stew out of movie parts uh and it's right. tasty uh, that's awesome. Yeah. But this didn't do like, okay, Wolf of Wall Street's sort of like a straight up Goodfellas kind of, I mean, it's and a it's, Goodfellas for the next generation in a weird way. It's amazing. And it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's obviously Scorsese and that's another different ball game. But like this, I, I, my, I went in with expectations. I feel that were exactly where they should have been and it hit my point and I liked it. So that's kind of that. I'm no, I know I'm not being like, it was like, well, this doesn't sound any better than Steve's. Go see it if you want. And you're right. Uh, but we'll get into it. Let's just get into spoilers, and we will uh, we'll kind of walk through this uh, war-torn film. Okay. So, you've been warned. Spoilers now. It's, it's happening. Uh, so... <laughs> Like we said before, Miles is a massage therapist. Uh, I'm sorry, David. I'm, I'm back and forth. Actor name, character name. Um, and his high school bro comes back, Ephraim, who is for a funeral, right? They're at yeah, a funeral and he sees funeral. him. Right. And apparently Ephraim had gotten David into a shit ton of trouble in high school. They right, got arrested they, once and like none of his friends liked him. He, No one liked him but David. Right. Uh, but. And that's, and that's understandable because I didn't really like Ephraim. I thought he was. There were there were times like at the beginning I was like oh you seem you're the character this other character needs but that was literally all you ever were well so when he comes back into his life and I I get that we've all I mean I have had that friend who is a super good time but real bad for you especially yep. in high school yeah yeah he he, just, he brings you on podcasts and stuff I I what Sorry. okay okay <laughs> yeah. oh, we're gonna go okay yeah yep. yep. we've only been arrested once Steve. And we'll never talk about it. Never. You promised. Over the grave of that Indian man. Okay. okay. Too much. <laughs> Too much. Sorry, Native American. God. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see how I can get this back on track. So we've all had that friend. Apparently, I'm Steve's. Um, and So, I mean, that's something that's instantly relatable. And I'll say this about um, Miles' portrayal of David. Um, Miles, for me, is an actor. 
uh, is serviceable. He's I don't particularly okay. love him in anything I've seen. Uh, but like it's hard for me to get behind him. One because he never feels genuine to me. Often he, uh, except in um, what was he in? That was the great movie Whiplash. Yeah, that felt genuine to me. So like I know he's got it in him. Right. But like I've oft, I've also heard and this is just rumor and hearsay like people have mentioned that I don't have this firsthand that he's also a bit difficult to work with. I can uh, yeah, sure. And, and so that. like no matter if he's trying to be vulnerable or likable or whatever like it just seeping through is always just like I I get that like holier than thou vibe from his performances even when he's not like and that's great for a character that's supposed to be like that but when you get to this guy who's like supposed to be a loving husband and then does that another thing and blah 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 it, it didn't it didn't hit for me right he, I, he strikes me as a director's actor and that he will rise to the level of the director you have yeah. but he he's not he's not he's which not, is he's, a skill on its own which it's to, it's gr- it's a great when you're a working actor yeah. that is that is one of the good things you might not excel I think I, but I think I think he may have it in him to become like this like he'll he'll elevate yeah. the material he doesn't elevate the material here because it's uh the the script is kind of underwritten for him both him and Jonah Hill right so yeah so they go around and all of a sudden uh, David is enamored by his new or his old friend's lifestyle they go to like try to score some weed uh, and some uh, some dudes outside of a hotel room like do the old like yeah I got your weed right here three hundred and they take it and then they don't uh, give him the weed like that instant like oh what yeah. the fuck are you talking about and Jonah Hill's like all right and he walks back and you've probably seen this scene in the trailer where it's him just shooting a semi automatic an automatic rifle in the air and they all just scatter and that was the moment where david i think realized he remembered deep down like his friend is kind of nuts and doesn't take any shit and david has done nothing but take shit since high school he's a massage therapist and there's a scene in the beginning where like a guy's like oops drop my towel like that sort of (laughs) nonsense uh so when when um jonah hill asks miles to work for him of course he's going to say yes of course he's going to say because uh miles teller just learned that his wife is uh, is pregnant is pregnant oh look at look, look at look at you right there and you know as uh you know he's just worried about like how he's gonna pay for it you know you only get so much money you know working massage and so he so suddenly he's a gun run he's a gun man gun, arms dealer yeah. arms dealer a war dog if you a will war dog uh what is a war dog a war dog is sort of a derogatory term for these bottom feeders to take like sort of like small contracts after um after the Halliburton scandals yeah. and all that yeah. stuff and Lockheed so, and Martin yeah yeah Lockheed. so uh the yeah so like they had to keep giving like they had to give opportunity the government did this in real life uh to anyone to fill military contracts then of course if there's blood in the water the sharks come and yeehaw right. so they formed this it was an AIR AEY AEY thank you what uh, does that th- mean it means absolutely nothing. There's a beautiful scene we'll get to uh, <laughs> yeah. later. Well, we can talk about it now. There's a moment where they're getting bigger later on in the film. And, uh, oh, my God, it's such a fun moment when someone's like, what is A-E-Y stand for? And the guy's like, and Jonah Hill's like, what? He's like, what does A-E-Y stand for? He's like, fucking nothing. What the hell? And he basically gets in this big sort of like argument almost with himself and fires the dude. Yeah. Uh, and it just sort of further Delightful. implements, uh, you know, Jonah Hill's characters, um, sort of spiral into, into, 
into badness. But that bad, got, yeah. that's a little bit later. Yeah. This is right when the two characters are just starting off and they're just doing it all on their own with the exception of the financier of the uh, the Jewish laundromat owner. Right, right. Kevin, Kevin Pollock, who gave them the seed money to start up and they're and they're cheating him out of money now, too. So this whole th- in, this whole thing is based on Ephraim's lies. He's lying to his financier. He's lying to everybody. He's lying uh, to, you know, seemingly to everyone but David. And uh, then David sort of starts taking on the traits of his friends, uh, the bad traits, I would say. And because him and Iz are like against the war. Right. Uh, he lies and actually tells her that he's selling bedsheets through Ephraim's company. Uh, side note, he had this really dumb idea to try to sell bedsheets to, um, he bought old like, folks, he spent his whole homes. savings on bedsheets to old folks homes. Yeah. It's actually not a terrible idea, but it gets cut down pretty quickly. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they, to think that, um, you know, old folks homes would like to spend money is kind of insane. Right, right. But it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's the thought that counts. Yeah, it's, and it, show, it shows he's got some entrepreneur. Sure. Yeah, it's a good character. Hustle. Yeah. Even if he does it wrong, he at least is trying. Right. Um. So, yeah. they And then it's just sort of the story of like them sort of hitting it, taking it off. He's hiding it all from is um, they're yep. just making more and more money, blah, blah, blah. And then the, the sort of I'd say act two startup is they land the quote Beretta deal. Ah, yes. The Beretta deal. The U.S. Army in Iraq. Yes. Has requested about 10,000 Berettas for the local Iraqi police force. And Good gun. Oh, yeah. it's a, a, a fine, a fine gun. Italian. Yes. yes. And uh, through and unfortunately, their gun, the deal, which goes through, gets held up by the whole fact that I, Italy can't ship guns to Iraq because legal reasons. So we are introduced to this new concept called circumvention in which. It's essentially the big short idea of like we're shuffling money around right. and bad, bad debt, bad deals to another thing to make it look fine. They're laundering guns more or less, and they send them through Jordan. It gets held up there, and that's when they have to fly to Jordan themselves. And through a slight fun miscommunication, they end up having to take to run the guns, not just not just deal them, but they have to take them through the triangle of death through uh, the Iraq-Jordanian border. Easily my favorite part of the movie was this whole thing. Because up until this point, they've just been desk jockeys. Yeah. And they've been making money. And then this deal is the biggest one they've scored. And when they land it, the general calls and is like, please tell me you heard about this new legislation. And when they landed the deal, they had no idea that uh, Italy, because this is a brand right. new yeah, law. Right. And, and and David wasn't so seasoned as to like be up on, to uh, catch up on it. law. So uh, this sequence of them having to fly to Jordan to get the, the guns and then drive them to Iraq is... Probably where this movie shines the most. It's the high point for me, I think, just because it's the it takes to, the Todd Phillips model, which is two guys yeah. on an yeah. on an adventure. It's what he that, knows best, and this adventure it's through you know it's through a war torn area, but he makes it fun. There's a, the right level of drama. They get chased by some uh, uh, rebel some rebel yep. groups, and that and that, like and the whole the whole sequence is is actually pretty great you've 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 seen a lot of it probably in the uh in the trailer there's one great moment there's a slow-mo uh shot of them driving that red truck and they're laughing looking out Uh, the window and they're shaking around that's right as the uh 
They're crossing the border, I think. Uh, some, no, they're, no, they're 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 getting out of Fallujah. They're getting out of Fallujah, and the U.S. military is driving one way with a chopper going overhead and attacking the rebels that were chasing that. It was just, I mean, it was a super convenient moment, but it was so fun you don't particularly mind. Right, and uh, to, my, to the best of my knowledge, completely fabricated. Oh yeah, yeah and the best happened. part is so that shot you see. In the uh, in the trailer with them laughing and you know whatever they're looking out the window at Humvees going by and there's an equally long slow mo shot of the mil- of a military uh, personnel a military officer just flicking them off because they realize they're just these assholes that are getting shot at yeah oh it's so yeah. good but the point is they deliver the guns they get mad respect from the general, uh, the and, general. and and the government and the government and they get a. Uh, ton of money there's just like 12 billion dollars sitting in the, sitting in the back of this room that they just like hey, we just compensated this from Saddam and, and this is sure. yeah they, this is something that I didn't know and I hope this is true because it's it makes sense is the that the military's nicknamed Saddam the Godfather or at least at that <laughs> yeah. point because it's just all of his money and they just pay people with all the yeah, money like, that Saddam Hussein like had. Literal, yeah. They don't cut him a check. There's like, here's some duffel bags, and they go back with duffel bags full of cash, which is nuts. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy. And so that puts them on the map. Yes. you know, they start making little, a few more, a little more deals, a little more deals, a little more deals. And as any procedural video game player knows, as you level up, to you get to buy more weapons to fight the bigger monster, to level up again to buy more weapons to but fight the bigger monster. But in this case, the monster is success and you and your uh and the lies you have to tell to um your loved survive. ones your yeah your loved ones and then eventually you get to the final boss where somebody's like yo i got a sweet deal for you and that somebody is of course the one and only bradley cooper that is right so they go <laughs> just like, i was you're getting i was watching you and you should have seen it listeners steve was getting a little bit dreamy eyed when he said uh bradley cooper uh bradley cooper Fun fact, uh, totally pet my girlfriend's dog. They met. Oh. Uh, there's a picture of it. She might have it on coasters. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful no. moment. Yeah. But uh, he shows up for about five whole minutes of screen time. Well, let's let's oh, sort of no, let's sorry, sort of get into that. Sorry, so the, how they meet this Bradley Cooper character, uh, who is the Henry, let me, uh, he's a international arms dealer. Henry Gerard. Yes, who is I believe some sort of a, he's a, an amalgamation of a bunch of different characters. I'm sure he is because yeah, uh, and he is. He is the he's the baddest ass of baddest ass of badasses. He is what I think Ephraim and David think they are. They're like right. we're, we're these sw- these swinging dicks, but like this guy is the cool the coolest cucumber in the fucking right. world. And they meet him at uh, a convention. It's a real convention too. Yeah, um, it's I'm a, trying like to an arms convention. Arms convention. I forget what it's called. In uh, Vegas. Yeah, in Vegas. Actually, I have a high school friend who uh, works for um, I forget which. Um, gun manufacturer but he was talking about it once and it's it's insane it's 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 literally comic-con for guns they describe it or for war um and so they go there thinking that after this triangle of death fucking beretta deal that they're gonna be you know big time people and they're gonna walk through but they just get creamed the entire way through no respect shut out because they're still 22 23 and they're just two dudes and they they don't don't have a big company so really uh then after they've sort of, you know, uh, retired to it being a failure, I believe David is at a blackjack table and in comes Henry yes, and they conveniently meet. Yes. And they get to conveniently talking and then conveniently making a pretty sweet arms deal. So basically there was, um, the, what was it? Uh, there was a deal on the table that they thought was sort of fake. No, that they no that they thought was the 
was the big time. The deal was this is the 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 bullet deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, AK forty seven ammunition. Yeah, the U.S. government was essentially they were going to arm the entire Afghanistan pol- like army and police force. This this is an actual thing that happened. Bush wanted to just like we we need to like okay, a Democrat might take the uh, might take the White House in the election year, so we need to get these guys up and running. Oh, wow. So we need all this ammunition. And so there's this contract out for like 100, million 100 million rounds, rounds of AK-47 ammo. Of AK-47 ammo. And for through wheeling and dealing with Henry Girard, they go through the process. They do their diligence, so to speak. And these two jackasses end up getting this major government contract. Yeah. And so the, the 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 ammo that I'm trying to sort of walk you through is because this whole thing is complicated. But you know what? I will get. Let's go back to sort of talking about like the, some good things the movie sure. did. This is all very geopolitical, complicated, even up till now. And this deal, I forget what country the ammunition was stored in. Albania. Albania. Uh, and apparently, because I, I guess Albania is the most well stocked yeah, country in the world. Because yeah, they, true, they, true fact. Actually. They armed themselves expecting a war that never came. So now they just have warehouses of military shit, which is nuts. Um, so, uh, but anyway, th- what this movie does very well is amidst its broing, it does cleanly give you the information you need. Yes. Absolutely. To give you the feeling of understanding or at least the level of understanding that characters should have. Yeah. You're I, not getting a geopolitics course, but you're getting the meat and potatoes enough where you're like, I understand what's going on. I understand, for instance, why they can't get the Berettas out of uh, out of Jordan, even though they could go from Italy to Jordan. Mm-hmm. Like you just you get it. And sometimes yeah. with these movies, they move so fast that you blink and you miss something and whatever. So this movie's pacing and it's sort of instruction, I should say. Uh, were worked well for me. Yeah, uh, it helps that it's not. It's not actually about the pol. It's not about the politics per se. It's about right. like it's like uh, we. So we know exactly what we need to know to for the for sure. our characters to succeed or fail. Yeah, depending on the situation. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah, it's actually very smart. I was I never had a question what was going on. So kudos which, to kudos yeah. to the entire team, and I guess that's also a big thing on the on the writers as well because I mean writers, editors, and director, of course. But like it's just it felt. It yeah. felt clean. I was. I, I always knew where I was. Yep. I always knew what was happening, and like they had enough of like t- they had enough like ticking ticking clock situ- scenarios where they had to get this. But I understood time. the stakes it's, at all times. Yes, and that is something that I, surprisingly a lot of larger films just don't do. Like Suicide Squad. I don't. I don't even know what the fuck that is. What is that? No, I do. I'm sad. <laughs> um, Sorry, that was like that was like the last one I listened I know. to. So I'm like, I, I, oh, yeah. Uh, so. Now, Henry, big time, real deal gun runner, who is on a terrorist watch list. So that's the reason why he, quote, randomly sat down next to David at the blackjack table. Right. He's looking for someone to do deals with the government because he can't do the deals with them. And this is where they first start doing because nothing they've done to this point is on the books truly illegal. Right. It, is- it skirts the line, like getting the guns out of Italy. Yep, but since they moved them themselves and there's no right. paper yeah. trail, it's it, not yeah. illegal. It's it's illegal to ship them through the air, but, but it's not them, illegal to drive them. It's it, that's totally fine. But so now, so now they're actually coming across. This is illegal, and they there is a little bit of there are a few moments where they start thinking, or at least David starts thinking, this is actually morally wrong. Yes, 
Uh, but they go, they go, they go ahead with it anyways right. because they stand to make a fuck ton of money. Yeah, so they go through like they mentioned like three weeks of falsifying documents and making them look like a real company and actually like applying to do this thing. And there's a great moment also in the trailer where they come in like fifty three million lower than everyone else or something like that. Right, uh, and they freak out because yeah, they, Ephraim's just mad because he could have made fifty three. But you know, like, like for for me, I guess it's there. There's a point where. A lot of a lot of millions of dollars is a lot of millions of dollars, and I'm like, I just stop caring. But well, that's why you I, and I are never going to be rich, Steve, exactly. is because we're not hungry enough to keep being rich and eventually destroy ourselves. Right. But that we'll is, destroy but that, ourselves the old-fashioned way with alcohol. Yeah. But that is literally the entirety of Ephraim's character. Oh yeah, he just cares about that. It's to the point. Uh, is it to the point where he dulls he bores me by the end i'm like oh of course well i mean there's the whole i mean there's been studies of of these people even in real life that are like that get so rich and all they care about is getting rich i mean it's a it's a um it's a mental illness i mean it's i can believe that it's a a, a obsessive compulsive or not 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 necessarily ocd but like just having an obsession like that when you are more than fine and you're fucking over people just to feel this weird like sense of like i'm better is fucking terrifying and awful and weird and it actually probably is a mental it's a disease it's a disease it's and it's certainly the the only reason they get caught is because ephraim oh yeah we will get to that that we'll get to that and i hope that's true as well uh Um, no i don't i don't think i mean it's partly true there was a well sure so um so they're in Albania checking out the the right. Yep, they're the, the, checking out the uh, the guns or not the ammunition, and they crack a crate open, and it looks all good. It, it looks works. like Russian, right? That's what they thought it was. Yeah, it's 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 old it's old AK forty seven ammo from the Cold War. That's you know that's where Russia got all its stockpiles. So they do it. Uh, yeah, there's bing, a gr- bang, boom. There's a great scene of Jonah Hill just like firing off an AK forty seven in slow motion. You have probably seen it in the trailer. I'm like, all right, that seems like that's a fun little little moment. And now they now they got to get through the business of getting this from Albania to Afghanistan. And that turns into a process. Let's call it a kerfuffle. A big kerfuffle when it is determined that most of the ammunition did not come from Russia, but China. And after the Tiananmen Square massacre, uh, massacre, the United States had a strict, we do not deal with Chinese arms or or munitions. uh, Or musicians. Or musicians, really. Uh, either we don't we they do not deal with that and they can and the, that is like an actual law that is on the books and so now they're kind of fucked over and they need to figure out what to do so uh, oh, and henry the real gun runner doesn't give two shits yeah. He's, he, yeah. he's like just figure it out you didn't bother to inspect all the crates so fuck you yeah right i i, I think it was yeah you have to learn the difference between we have a problem and you have a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was actually kind of cool. Yep. It was, it was a good and line. And fuck, in, in, in gun running and being war dogging or even in any sort of business, that's something you got to kind of learn. Yep. And, this and is they a, learn it hard. This, this, is their, this is their trial by fire, yep. so to speak. So in the in, so like like in the wire where we just hide the alcohol in a brown paper bag, we're going to hide all these bullets in brown paper cardboard boxes that's right so they decide uh they have the genius idea because it's all like big big heavy wooden crates that are all marked with chinese uh lettering lettering that they're going to take apart and they're going to put them in plastic bags in cardboard boxes and ship the ammunition that way not only you know disguising the fact that it is actually from china but also 
uh, it is going to make it so it's actually shipping much, much less. But, like it's heavy, and that's and that's actually what they tell the packaging people in Albania. They're like, we want to cut down on costs, yeah, even okay, though they're pretty sh- shipping fuel costs. But but our guy, the the, uh, the guy who runs the, uh, the he knows what's up. Back, he, he 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 he's. He's he's well aware of the situation. But. So David has to keep going there and like inspecting this as it goes on. Right. And, and Ephraim da- is home manning the fort. Uh, and the which business is, has grown. They've already had that scene where yeah. they were talking about what it stands for. Yeah. Which which is bullshit because David and 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 this and this does go to show Jonah Hill's character Ephraim. David's got a wife and a kid at home who need the who needs him. The fuck does Ephraim have? He got that strip club. That one strip club that I go to. He's got that strip club. He's got that big club to go to. But he should be the one going. And I understand. And I get that. 70-30, Steve. 70-30. They sign an agreement before David leaves for the company finally. And Ephraim kind of takes it as an affront that he's actually being asked or he acts that way. Right. uh, To actually put it in in writing that it's the company is now 70-30. And then David in an infinite stupid, stupid, stupid. This sort of bugged me sort of for convenience's sake. Uh, especially because later on when shit hits the fan, he's like, I got copies of everything. But he didn't have a copy of the fucking agreement. Like it was very sort of character breaking for me. He doesn't make a copy of this contract and just puts it right on top of his top drawer in his desk because nobody can get in, get into there or anything. It's just, it just goes like, I really just didn't like Jonah Hill's character. And we aren't supposed to like him, but I wanted there to be more to him than just like, you can make a character who is unlikable and like at least begrudgingly respect or, or enjoy watching, but he just keeps, there's no, there's no fun in him. Like he just makes, he just makes money to make more money and over and over and over again. And like, yeah, he bangs some prostitutes, but there's, there's never a time where he seems like he's like enjoying the fruits of his labor. Even, even just, his laugh is that like, <laughs> oh yeah, which which is a great laugh, but it's like oh, I just want to punch but, you. But in that's your that, that's the face. laugh of someone that's that's the laugh of a sociopath that's trying to fake laughing. Yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, and. Uh, and respect to Jonah Hill. He does a great job. Uh, yeah, no, he, the performance is fine. It's just, I don't think the character, he's riding a hard line too, because, you know, he, he tends up being, you know, as the story moves on, he's the bad guy in a yeah, weird way. Yeah, yeah he's, the, he's definitely the bad guy. In, in, in fact, Bradley Cooper, I think, ends up kind of a, kind of on the good side. Of yeah, things, I, we'll talk about that. The ending's a little yeah. weird. So, um, you know, uh, oh, so let's talk about something else I didn't like too. The, something, remember how I said it was, this movie feels well-worn. Yes. Uh, I just started hating when, like when um when he finally gets back uh when David finally gets back uh from Albania uh because he basically says he's had enough because how, why does he come back he just leaves in the middle of it um he why does he leave there's he some says, I uh, can't yeah, remember I th- I th- why th- something th- goes wrong or he gets wind that um that Ephraim isn't doing something or he's not oh like, no I th- I, th- I think uh. But, you know, well, because he gets kidnapped because Ephraim's fucking over Henry. That's over, right. Sorry, over, guys. Over, over like four cents. It's a complicated plot, but basically Ephraim back home is doing, he, he finds out that um, Bradley Cooper's character, Henry, was selling them the the ammunition at something along the lines of like six cents a shell, where uh, the actual value of it, he's buying it from Albania for two cents a show. Right. So he's, so he's going to make like $400 million on this deal. And even though Ephraim's going to make 
Uh, what seventy percent of fifty? Oh no, a hundred and something million or something like that. I think maybe more. I, I think the contract was for like three hundred. Yeah, three hundred. Uh, that's not enough for Ephraim, and so he tries to fuck over Henry, which leads Henry to kidnap the only person he's near, which is David, David. who knows nothing about this. That's right. the scene in the beginning of the film, by the way, Correct. where they and Correct. you finally see that it's Bradley Cooper pointing the gun at him, uh, and he lets him go. Uh, he's just trying to scare him, though he does randomly kill his driver. Right, it's implied that yeah, uh, because the driver learned something or other. I forget exactly what, but so that was a part that wasn't quite explained well. So David is done with this. He goes back to they, confront Ephraim and, about being like, "Dude, what the fuck you and doing? he wants out of the company. He wants his thirty percent, and he wants out." Right, but Ephraim's Ephraim, not doing it. He because gives the whole, because Ephraim cut ripped up the contract, and he has that stupid shit eating sociopathic grin on his face, and it you know becomes and then it becomes like legal battle. Yeah, so to speak. Uh, and this is sort of where I feel like the movie starts losing me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically like this whole thing where like they, you know, he David leaves for an undescript amount of time. Oh, he gets back. This is the other thing that bugged me. This movie does the well-worn bullshit of like, you know, uh, even when they go through this triangle of death, he lies to uh, his wife and then she finds out and she's like, I just don't want you to lie to me. Like, don't lie to me and we're fine. And then he lies to her again. And then uh, he even, she even finds out, this is the weird part. It conveniently, she finds out that they're not selling bed sheets and she's selling guns about a third through the movie. And uh-huh. even though she was so against it, well, now they need the money and the money's right. good, which is I understand that's a very human thing and it absolutely happens in real life, but this just felt convenient. And then the next thing, when he gets back from Albania and says he's done with it, it does the typical tropish bullshit. She even says the fucking line of, I think we're going to go stay with my mother for a few months or something. She She takes the now born kid and leaves. And then it's the main characters like quest for redemption to get his family back, but they don't really focus on it. But it's just like, Oh, well, in these movies, this has to happen. Right, exactly. And it, it was, it, it it felt bad because the rest of it did feel at least a little bit, because it, it did actually happen. This was tacked on melodrama. Bullshit. And, that and, it didn't need and kind of detracted from the point. Right. I, th- I th- it, it, it existed to make David, D- David have a redemption. Re- yeah, more relatable because somebody has to be the good guy. Because D- at the These heart of it, are kind of they're, they're both terrible people. It's just that David's conflicted about, it, and that's where the that's where the drama sort of happens. But it's under it's underwritten yeah. conflict, so you don't really like. I'm like I was like happy when he finally when he showed up at the door and like he immediately confessed everything like that stuff gets me. I understand it's totally it's like you're 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 playing me like a violin at that point. Right. But I but I understand that. I and again, I get it, that. And it's serviceable, but it doesn't do the, even those moments particularly well. And uh, I just felt like that it was unneeded. Yeah. Um, but then the rest of the movie is like uh, then David, uh, the, the 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 I can't remember the character's name, but the Jewish sort of financier from the beginning. Slutsky. Slutsky. Um, he like wants to like talk them through a deal because apparently Ephraim feels bad. And this is the part, this is okay. This is what I don't get. So Ephraim's feeling bad. Right. So he wants to offer this penance of some small amount, like a hundred thousand dollars over four years. Yeah. Uh, to, to David and the, and the laundromat owner kind of brokers the deal. Right. Uh, and then David freaks out, doesn't take it. He's like, I have copies of everything. I'll da 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 And then he's like, I'll take you down. And like, you'll take us down. Yeah. And there's that whole moment. But like that, it was like, okay, you didn't make a, the copy of the one document that gets you all the money, but you have copies of all these documents. That doesn't make sense from a script standpoint to me. Also, this is where it just starts like, I, I don't give a shit. Like it's, it's against character for 
David to be so prepared. It's against character, and maybe he was lying, but nah. it's against character for Ephraim to want to even offer a penance. No, I, th- I, th- I think that's within his character. How? Because he's, you know, he's he. I, I don't think he wants to rock the boat so much. He just wants to get this guy off his back, and he will. But he wasn't on his back. He just left. He just yeah. He he just left. But you know, he, I think he understands that there could be more shit coming, and he just and and he's just like I'm going to give him the the bare fucking minimum. I think out of some weird notion of friendship, and the, those are those are air quotes right there. I would nice. I would argue actually, if it is in character, it's actually a power move because he, oh, yeah. so David, his one friend, quote air quotes again, uh, and main lackey basically this entire time is now gone, and he doesn't have anybody to fill that role. So right. he wants to get that power back at least for a moment and be like, oh well, I'll give him this. And exactly. Just, exactly. So that's probably Every, why everything Ephraim does does the power move. But we learn that. Slitsky, Kevin Pollock's character, has ulterior motives for that that we'll come to a bit later. I mean, we can come to it right now. Basically, he's wearing a wire during this deal. Yep. Uh, he, because he, he was getting fucked over, so he fucked them over. Right, yeah. The the, uh, the Fed started an, invest- an investigation, and they they got everything <laughs> handed to them on a on a on a silver plate. Yeah. And they get arrested. And then for some reason, this is again, I don't fully understand why. Uh, you know, Ephraim goes away. Four years. And David gets seven like seven months, months house, house arrest. arrest. And is that because this is an interesting thing? Is that because there was no contract for the company? Um, no, I think I I think because I think it happened because David did plead guilty to it, uh, to to all the crimes so for a reduced sentence. And he also he probably also turned state's witness or something like that on Ephraim. And which also, by the way, four years for the shit they did. I I I feel like you get more for like weed if you get busted a third time oh wait i'm sorry are you thinking that the criminal justice system and the way courts work is fair uh i'm sorry i i got i i'm i'm just on my my side of the stranger things portal oh yeah yeah it's kind of nice over here don't yeah don't come over here i mean i know you're on vacation (laughs) but just go back as soon as you can is there healthcare over there is there everywhere fuck but there are monsters that will come and eat you i'll take it i'll take it that's cheaper (laughs) um so then comes the moment um, that really didn't fit for me. And I, it, and it felt like a moment where it basically felt like, Oh, we have Bradley Cooper in this movie. We didn't have men enough. Let's we give really him one did. more. So, uh, uh, David goes back to being a masseuse okay. and he's li- liking it enough. It. Yeah. He's, he's over the life of excitement and he basically goes, uh, gets called and it's, it's, uh, Henry, uh, who calls him in and he comes in. He's like, kid, if I wanted you dead, I would have killed you already. So he comes in and they talk. And for some reason, and I don't know if this is true or not, mm-hmm. uh, but like he like, you know, David starts asking him a bunch of questions. And he then at the end of it, he, uh, Harry or sorry, Henry gives David a briefcase full of money and he says no more questions. Right. And that's sort of the end and of the ends. movie. What did you think of that scene? I thought uh, my initial thought was I don't think they knew how to end the movie because um, it, it felt like a weird little thing. And my uh, another, and then and then I started thinking about. It and I go, this is Henry. I think he's there's a bit not necessarily hush money, but I think he's honestly giving David a little bit of what he's owed because Henry is in some way a nicer Henry's in some way a nicer guy than Ephraim. Like he does, like he's just giving he's giving David this money. 
basically the uh, with the with the only caveat being don't ask what happened to the driver yeah or any or anything like that which well, is which is which is a kinder thing than Ephraim ever did their entire like three year new relationship. Well, he seems like the same gun runner and the one that's going to keep running guns because, right, because he realizes he, that this briefcase full of money, while it's probably so much for David at this point, is nothing to him. And right. that's the point when uh, it's almost like it's almost like a weird black market philanthropy in it an is. odd way. It, and uh <laughs> He, he says this line when he's asking questions, and I think it sort of uh, fits the exact sort of character that that he is, Bradley Cooper's guy. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm not a bad man, but in certain situations, I have to think to myself, what would a bad yeah. man do? Right. So, like, he's a, chame- he's a chameleon, I'm going to, uh, again, heavy air quotes, in a healthy way, where Ephraim was a chameleon to just totally fuck, fuck. people over, where... Uh, Bradley Cooper's character was a chameleon to help himself. And if that kind of fucks people over, you know, so be it. But it's not the same thing. But I think Bradley Cooper, his character, Henry, understands that you need you need to pay your people because the reason why they get they get fucked in the first place is because Ephraim wouldn't pay the cardboard box guy a hundred grand, which is nothing on this deal. And so he he just like said. It's By a mental the way, illness. it's a mental it's, illness. It's this a, level it's of mental greed. But the reason why Henry Gerard is so successful is because he, he he pays people. He pays people, and that's like that's the great divider. That's that's what's going to bring. That's what's going to make this whole operation one. Because it is still at the end of the day an operation that needs to happen, whether we want it to or not. Henry just plays the game a bit better. He's yes, he's on the terrorist watch list, but he's still kind of he's like one of my favorite characters. And I think that could just be because <laughs> he's Bradley Cooper, but. That's he had more thoughts. than 11% of a plan. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's War Dogs. Um, that's War Dogs. Overall, Steve, should people see this film? What did I say? If you want, you're gonna stick with that. I uh, know. Uh, you should, you should go see this film. It's we're in the doldrums of summer right now, basically ending. It's a solid piece of entertainment. I think it is not as satirical or as biting as it wants to be but it's got two fine performances from miles teller and general hill bradley cooper's in it it's got some great moments it just i don't know if i'll i don't know if i'll ever revisit it again right like like i do like the, the original hangover or old school or something like yeah. that just it eh. yeah all right no i mean i agree to a point i think people i think it's better than a lot of stuff at the movies currently yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it, Still filled with a lot of musical montages, though. But, like, used right. Like, there's nothing. It was, like, the right amount. I don't know. Let's not get into fucking Suicide Squad territory. <laughs> uh, the parts that work for me of this film really do work for me. Uh, that might be because I've seen those parts a lot of times in a lot of different places. Performances were solid. Uh, writing makes the well-worn territory at least feel real and, and kind of funny at a, at a lot of points. Um, but context-wise, you have seen this movie before. This is like a reshuffling of the deck, as, right. as it would be. So, like, it's like, nice guy in a normal life gets sucked into a lucrative, dark business with a sleazy friend. And then a disapproving, yet oddly always, uh, you supportive know, wife. supportive yeah. wife goes and stays with mom for a while. You know, that whole bullshit we talked about. Then the misadventures get the protagonist more established and comfy in their life of crime. And then bigger fish come in to stir the pot. And then the friend fucks over the slightly more innocent friend. Then cops. Then it's all okay for the nice guy. We've seen this a ton of times. Right. But that's 
not that's not necessarily a bad thing. It you know you can you can as long as you whatever whatever story you're trying to tell, if it is well worn, you can tell Hamlet hundreds of different ways. It's still it's still the same Hamlet. It's all in the presentation and how you approach it. And it, this movie approaches it fairly well. Maybe it could it could have been better. It could have been edgier, um, just more more satirical with a little more bite to it. But it approaches all of these well worn concepts. Fairly, you know, decently enough to make the the ride enjoyable. Sure. So I would say if you're listening to this podcast uh, when it comes out, you know, late August, early September, uh, I think you should see it. If it's still in theaters, go check it out because it was a fun time at the movies and I didn't like ever look at my watch. I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, that's lacking a little bit these days. Uh, And we we will get back to it. I have faith. I have faith that I I feel like November, December is going to become the new summer at some point. I know there's a lot of big Christmas movies and things like that, but like, it's weird. Like, I don't get it. Like the beginning of like, it wasn't even beginning of summer. It was April was civil war. April. Yeah. April civil war. Yeah. Everything's getting pushed earlier. And then late. I don't, it's pulled earlier. We got star Wars coming out in in December now. So yeah, it's the Christmas season is a big time for movies. Yeah. And plus, well, we also have a lot of the, uh, I, I assume the more art house Academy award films coming up, which should make this summer, which I think has been less than good. Stellar. Less than stellar. It's been uh, fine. It's been fine. This movie season has been fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We're good consumers. Yeah. It yeah, uh, War Dogs. It sends it out on sends the summer out on a solid, if unspectacular note. Yeah. So go use that as you will, dear listener. Um. Yeah. So this has been the only podcast about the film War Dogs. Steve, thank you so much for not ever trying to do a New Zealand accent. You're absolutely welcome. It's uh, always great having uh, coming here. Where can folks find you when you go home to your dark alternate dimension? Well, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at uh, the Oscar Watch Podcast. Uh, that's Oscar Watch Pod on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, and Twitter. We review all the best picture winners, my uh, myself and a, and a good buddy of mine, and the occasional guest host. We're going to get you and and or Shahir on definitely for a couple of them. I don't know if I'll survive the portal. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a you know what. The Skype, the Skype reception is actually very great. <laughs> Does it actually get better? Because that'd be weird. It's 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 crystal clear. Uh, we got next up. Uh, if you're listening to this right now, we got uh, we got No Country for Old Men on tap. Nice. So guys, check that out. Uh, you can find me and my life and works at Matthew Kroll, M A T T H E W K R O L dot com. You can also find me on Instagram as Skeletor the Number Four P R E Z or on Twitter at Emperor M S K. And you can always email the only podcast about movies at onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com. Let us know what you think of the show. Tell us, did you like War Dogs? Did you hate uh, the tropes that you saw over and over again? Or do you just love violence? Um, Let us know. Also, requests. We've been doing some requests. And, of course, next week, Steve, the big one. We're going to be at PAX, like I said, 6 p.m. Friday night, the 2nd of September. Sphinx Theater, one hour, getting good, G-U-D, at video game movies. We're going to fix Hollywood, Steve. But you have terrible grammar. Why is it GUD? It's the gamer thing. It's like the lead speak and the bullshit. You know it. Stop acting like you don't fucking know this shit. All right.
Uh, also, please rate us on iTunes. We would love you forever. Write a little review. Uh, whatever stars you like. I know I said five before. That was a little greedy at the beginning, and I'm sorry I came off as as needy as that. Needy and greedy, but this, this whole review has been about greed, Steve. It has. Um, yeah, so... Guys, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with our live show that you'll listen to, probably recorded. All right. See you guys later. Bye, everybody.